Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome back to the Sword and Shield podcast. I'm Colonel Rick Erich, and today's guest is... Lieutenant Colonel Joya Gamera, the 17X MAGCOM Functional Manager. Welcome back, Joya. Thanks, sir. Always glad to be here. Yeah, excited we're going to, for this discussion, the the post-DT. Um, Pre-DT is fine. It's talk about this is really, I think, what people really are interested in. And I'm looking forward to the discussion about what you learned specifically, maybe, of your first time inside the room. Um, and then um, hopefully we'll share some nuggets and, and talk about some things that, um, some insights that can help people for the next process, the next year. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was interesting to be inside that bubble and very eye-opening. I was hoping to get a little bit more participation this year. I know our numbers were going up steadily every um, every week. Um, ARPC helped me track it, but we still have a target of opportunity with those lieutenant colonels and those the IMA folks. Um, we were a little bit shy of our goal. We had a little bit less than 50%, which our trend in previous years has been going down. So I just look at it as an opportunity for outreach um, and then kind of spreading the message throughout the year versus just um, when the DT applications are open. And I think that has been the standard um, rules of engagement previously, and I want it to be more of an ongoing conversation. Yeah, we've not been able to get significantly past the 50%. And I don't know why that is, because I feel like once people go through the process and we talk to them about it, they seem to appreciate, most people appreciate it, even if there's some things that maybe um, they didn't know or they don't agree with that the board says, but at least it's some feedback. And to me, any data point is good feedback for myself. I think it's the level of expectations that people are um, expecting out of a DT. And some people, because of past experience, because some of the standard vectors have been, let's face it, crap, um, hasn't been, their records haven't been reviewed um, thoroughly, that they feel it's non-value added. That's the feedback I'm getting. Why should I spend 10 to 15 minutes on a development plan that nobody reads? And so that's the perception that I think we have to overcome. And hopefully this conversation will give some insight on why it's important and how they can use it as a data point in the future for their career. Yeah, I think we couldn't, I mean, that's that's opposite of what actually happens. The mm-hmm. DT. This is, I think, my seventh DT and 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 three career fields now. Um, we spend a significant amount of time on each package and each record. We spend more time looking at than we do on promotion boards. And so, spending that time to understand the record, look through all of the information that's in there, including what the member says what their commander or supervisor says about them, and then trying to align uh, what they're doing currently with what the future is. So I I really enjoy it. I get to learn about people. Um, We spend, uh, we score the records, you know, and then we spend more time talking about each person, trying to give them the right vector. Um, and, and, And so we talk a little bit about the vectoring process too, and it's not always about, um, you getting the vector back that you want. Right. It's it's about getting what the board thinks you should do based on a snapshot in time. And I think that snapshot in time sometimes, um, expectation-wise, 
is difficult for people to kind of digest. We're going with what we have in front of us based off what you said you want. And sometimes those things don't always match up. Right. So if we go into the whole DT process, um, the development plans are open for members and then it closes on a certain date. Then what happens is pre-DT um, actions. So the mill PDS pull is done and all the action officers, myself included, go through all the records a week prior to the board to review for any um, overdue e evals, decorations, your point summary. So we try to knock out all the administrative stuff that the board, um, so the board doesn't have to take care of that. So we really try to look at all of those carefully to give the right vectors, but know that a mill PDS pull is done. So let's say your OPR was updated the week of the board execution, we're not gonna see that. Um, so we try to give input on, especially if there was a bad year, for some reason, reason or another, you only had 18 points. And I had this for a member. And the member kind of reached back out to me and said, hey, this I'm getting a comment that this was a bad year. I said, yeah, but if you were in the IRR, we don't see that. It doesn't show up in PCAR saying, hey, during this time period, they were in the IRR. Our job is to let you know that you had a potential bad year. And if it's wrong, then you can take action to get that that part of your year fixed. And so it's just, again, another piece of information for folks to use um, if uh, coming out of the board. So we do all that admin stuff prior to the week prior to the board, then it's execution. And that's where all the board members get together and view all the records. They come up with the awesome vectors. And then post DT, we spend another good two weeks reviewing all the vectors and again, doing another scrub of um, the admin standard vectors. And so there are, I mean, we had, you know, 285 records to review. So there are chances that we could make a mistake. And so kind of give us some grace when you're reviewing some of that stuff that we may have crossed paths on, on certain things. And I know this year, some of the standard vector um, verbiage was a little bit kind of wonky. What we had updated and showed in our system didn't actually get pushed out to the members. And I think that may have been a glitch with the system. And so I know my vector has kind of been working and not working, um, but that's how the general process works um, in totality for the, the DT. But from your perspective, sir, when you're at the board, kind of walk us through that process so that folks can kind of understand the level of intensity that happens during that week. Sure. Um, yeah, my vector has been great. It's a lot easier to use from a board member perspective rather than access database we used to use in the past. So I think I think if you looked at previous years, the number of errors, the number of work that um, you know the board recorders and admin folks have to do, it's a lot less. And so I think it's going to get better every year. Um, but each panel uh, is is a panel of five people: majors, and lieutenant colonels. We separate. Um, those groups and you score, like for me, I scored just Lieutenant Colonels. And so at my panel, there's me plus four other people. We looked at each record individually. Everybody scores each record, just like the promotion process on a scale of six through, six through 10. And then at the end of, uh, of time periods or at the end of the day, we look at any, what we call splits. If there's a score that's significantly Apart from two board members, we resolve that. We talk about the record, resolve it, and then everybody gets a composite score. So we go through that whole process. We score everybody, and then we get to the KPL. And then, and I know that's a lightning rod with some people. Mm -hmm. um, to me, uh, the, the KPL is just another part of the process. Um, it doesn't keep anybody from being able to uh, compete for jobs. Um, and, and, and so if you're on the KPL one year and not, 
on the next year. Um, I wouldn't really worry about it too much. Um, it's just a list that ARPC has this does. If it were me, we wouldn't do the KPL at all, at all mm-hmm. um, because I think it, it sends, um, sets expectations and sends the wrong message that people are chasing things to get on the KPL when, when, when really in the reserve command here, um, you can compete for any job you want. It's right. not going to keep you from doing that. The hiring official has the ultimate authority on picking that person. And I'm the perfect example, exact, actually, because last year I made the KPL and this year I, I was on the first cut line, which is, I think is fine. I was kind of surprised last year. But even the ARPC notifications say that the KPL is really used to fill those KCJ, those key command and joint positions, but ultimately is up to the hiring official. And the KPL can also be used for other developmental decisions. So let's say I have an AGR continuation decision. So I look at that ACD for a member who wants to become AGR, um, a career status on the AGR program. And I just look to see, did they even submit a development plan? Do they have, what's their intention for their career? Did they make the KPL? That's not a deciding factor. It's just another data point for the hiring officials to consider or for me to consider when I'm doing an ACD or um, job hiring. RSSBs are a good tool for the KPL. If a member has made the KPL vector for some schools, they can use that information on their reserve school selection board um, applications. But I don't think it's an end-all be-all, but I think maybe the messaging in the past was like, if you're not on this list, you're not making the cut, you're not the top of the top. And so why even work hard if you're not making the list? But because the board is changes every year, then that board makeup may have a different um, uh, scoring system or what they value. And so then that drives what the KPL is, right? What are some of the conversations that you and other board members had to resolve splits maybe? Sure. And so... Also remember that every year the denominator changes, right? The pool of people you're competing with changes. And so uh, in your case, going from being the KPL, the majors, to yeah. lieutenant colonels, right? The expectation for lieutenant colonel changes. And so there's different things we expect at different grades. And you'll work through that. And I fully expect that you'll work up to get back on that KPL because there's things as a brand new lieutenant colonel that you just haven't mm-hmm. had experience and done yet. Um, and, and, and so most of the time, the discussions are around... Um, um, with different board members, there's IMAs, TRs, and then AGRs. And sometimes board members just don't fully understand roles, responsibility of some of those positions, um, what the importance is and the level of responsibility they have. And so sometimes when people score a rec, they're like, well, well I thought this position um, was only responsible for this. And then somebody says, no, actually I know about this job or whatever. And then they'll talk about the level of responsibility and help kind of level set that and get back. And so. Um, it's really helpful at that point to have those discussions to, to, to make sure that we're bringing people from all different parts of the community to understand what that looks like and, and what their responsibility is. And sometimes people just miss a part of the record, like um, maybe it's a deployment, right? Or maybe there's something that pushes, hey, I really thought this person's performance here, like, oh, I, I, I missed that OPR, I missed that bullet, or what's that mean, and put some context to it, and it usually changes the discussion. Usually, I mean, the the, the results only take a couple minutes and, mm-hmm. to, to resolve those. So, um, so we spend all this time on scoring the record, not all, not a ton of time, but we score the records, resolve everything, we draw the KPL, then the real work begins on the vectoring. And to me, that's where I put most of my... Um, really interest and effort. I really enjoy trying to get the right personal vector for people because 
like you said in the opening, nothing's going to turn somebody off more than, uh, hey, you need to complete ACSC. And they say, I've already done it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and so we apologize that those things do happen. Sometimes they happen for a number of reasons, like you talked about. Um, all I can say is help the board understand next year um, where that was or make sure your record is actually reflective of that because sometimes you may have completed it but for like advanced academic degree for officers you have to go through AFIT right to get it updated in PDS. so just because you have it completed doesn't necessarily mean that it's made it from AFIT into the military personnel system so I encourage people to not just blow those things off but really verify and if you need help certainly you know your chain of command or yourself and the staff in A6O can help people with the process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, talking about those vectors, I know some folks had a little bit trouble finding it on um, on my vector because let's be real. Including so, me. That some I of that, asked for I know, help. <laughs> <laughs> when you asked me for help in the beginning, I go, oh, no, I need to create a whole PowerPoint. Like, this is where you click <laughs> because I because it's not intuitive. And so once you go onto my vector, if you click on my boards on the left-hand side, then go to historical boards tab, and then click that public release PDF document, it opens up and you might think it's your development plan because your answers are in there. But the top of that um, PDF document, make sure you're on the right year, because I had some folks look at 2021 instead of 22. Um, The very first thing will be those personalized vectors followed by the standard vectors followed by your development plan, and then it closes out with your endorser's comments. So you can see all of that on one PDF document. But those um, personalized vectors, sometimes they're short, sometimes they're a little bit long. Um, so talk about some of those um, comments that the board tries to provide that they work so hard on making sure that those vectors are right. Yeah, so I'll talk about from my perspective. Um, I won't talk about the other board members, but we literally sit around a computer with the admin person. We look at everybody's record again, and everybody's made notes. What I do is I make notes as I'm scoring the record about um, comments or things like, hey, this person really needs to be a commander next. They may not have said they want to be a commander next, but we believe that they should go be a commander next or a DO or a staff job, whatever it is. Make notes there, and then we go back through the individual record again as a group as on the panel, so all majors, lieutenant colonels. And we work through that. We just have an open discussion about, hey, I think this person really needs this. And I worked with them back, you know, they worked for me, you know, five years ago and they are on this path and we need to continue the path or, hey, there's something in here, their personal comments that their life is, is taken a different branch and they now need a little bit of a break because uh, they're going to school, they're starting a family, um, maybe there's been a life change, divorce, or fa- some family change, or they're taking care of the elderly parents. Like all these things matter from year to year. So what I do is I glance at last year's vector to understand what we told them last year. Mm-hmm. Look at their comments next about what they want to do, and then look at their supervisor's comments about what they think they should do. And sometimes those aren't very good. Sometimes it turns into some OPR bullets and like I can read the OPR, like help me what they should do next, what what they're what they're tracking to. And um, I really like it when the senior raiders will say something like I uh, concur with the members comments or I don't concur or I concur. But like those are really helpful to understand. And then it's the DT board's opportunity to clarify that. And so I look at those things. I look at the performance is still the number one thing for any job. Um, and then we try to reconcile that. So sometimes some folks will have, um, hey, I want to go be a commander, right? But they haven't done some things that we expect them to do to be commander, or they want to be commander in Great Falls, Montana. Like, 
we give them, you know, real feedback, like that's not going to happen <laughs> because there's no reserve units there in Great Falls, Montana. Like you got to be able to commute or I only want to be an AGR commander, you know, in Northern California. Okay. Well, that's going to be hard because there's probably only a few opportunities at Travis or Beal and they're maybe not the right career field for you. Um, so sometimes those comments come back and you're like, well, they didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. Like that's not what the DT is there to do is try to give you an opportunity to think about some things that you should do based on the whole package of who you are right now. Um, and sometimes we try to say this job, then this next. Sometimes you people won't get that because it's not clear. Sometimes they're dependent on each other. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so we try to meet people where they are with the opportunities they want based on their current lifestyle and status. And so sometimes the vectors come back really short. Hey, congratulations on finishing your master's degree. Um, the next step for you, you know, apply to your work college when eligible. Um, we concur with your comments. Stay in place for another year. Like short comments, but that's what we think you need at that time. Um, try not to get verbose. Try to talk in real text mm -hmm. language, um, specifically the board speaking to you about what you know, expectation and try to meet you with what you want to do and whether or not those are synced. And so if we get it wrong, like I want them to contact you and help us understand that we got some notes. And then I think the DT is just the first part of the process, right? The mentoring right. process should continue from there. And then you, you should use those things that were told you and your vector, maybe go bounce them off either the vector or the, the mentor we assigned you or your other mentors. Like I've done that before. I've taken the comment and said, what does this mean? What do you think? And again, it's about collecting more information, more data points along the way. Exactly. And just how, like I said in the beginning, this should be part of the conversation, not the end of it, but continuing it. So the, using those vectors, I mean, that's how exactly I take that is, hey, this is one data point that now I can use this as a discussion point with my mentor, um, who's not just a cyber person, but I have mentors in other career fields and say, hey, this is what my cyber DT gave me back, um, what are your thoughts on it? Because then they also have a different perspective that I think is value added. And then you can also use it with your Raider or your Raider's Raider to, again, have another conversation with your intention for your career progression and see if it's in line or if there's something that snags a year later and you're like, oh, well, this plan is now out the window. But that is, or it's still a potential plan. We just have to delay it by a couple years and know that how that looks into your bigger picture of your entire Air Force career and how to balance that with your family and your civilian job. I mean, it could be a little bit challenging, but again, it's another data point for you to consider. You don't have to have all the building blocks of your entire career fleshed out, but to have some idea of where you can go, um, I think is, is what the whole DT process is all about. And so I love having conversations with CGOs, especially brand new lieutenants, because the world is open to them. And there's, I'm like, tell me what you want to do. And I can help give you some options for experiences that you want to have to reach that goal. And so with the lieutenant colonels and the majors, their timeline is a little bit shorter. And with the 06s, for sure, timing matters. And so, right. so some of those vectors are like, hey, you need to apply for this job now um, as soon as it advertises, because that timing is so short and their career is kind of coming come into a, a, a shorter timeline. But with those lieutenants and CGOs, even some of the majors, I mean, you can still have tons of options of where to go and what to do, depending on what your what your goals are. And I think it's important that folks even spend just 10 minutes of their time to have a really accurate 
um, development plan information because then that informs the board realistically of where they can go, what they can. And even if they have to stay in place, maybe it's, okay, well, now instead of being a flight commander, now you go do Stanaval or now you become the exec. And so really it's just, again, options for folks. But I think the tools that they can take out of that is do what your vector says. And so if your vector says, and you say you want to command, when the next commander position opens, apply for it. Mm -hmm. If the board says apply for leadership today and tomorrow, well, guess what? There's an RSSB coming up and this is the last UTA weekend to put that application in. So if you are actually um, believe the development plan that you put in and the vector supports that, then do that. Don't make it seem like you're going back and you just want the board to kind of read nice words about you and have a good conversation with you when you're not going to actually follow through. Yeah, don't tell us what we want to hear. Like that was early on. People are like, well, I think, you know, it's a writing contest. So I'm, I'm going to tell them that they want me to go do these things. And then I literally make notes myself and bring it back and like, OK, this person says they want to be the commander here. Or they want this job. I call them on the phone. They're like, no, I don't want that. I'm like, you said your DT, you want to go do that. Like. <laughs> That's okay to tell us if you don't want to do that. Tell us really what you want to do. And so I get a really close uh, person I'm mentoring for a long time. And um, he was a little bit about this too. He's got some things going on in his personal life that that he can't move right now. Um, and so I, I finally this year convinced him to put that in. And so I followed up with him. I had lunch with him a couple weeks ago. He said, man, the vector I got back is really good. I'm like, well, good, because you told us exactly what you um, were feeling. And the board understands that right now you got a kid that's going to be a senior and maybe they're having some, you know, mental health issues that the best thing for your family is to stay there. Like done. Like we support that. Mm -hmm. We're not going to make you go do something just uh, to reach this goal, because in the end, as reservists, like our timeline is longer than Regath. But there are some things you got to get done if you want to be certain things like if you want to be in 06, that's OK. But really the clearest path is you're going to have to command at some level, mm -hmm. right? And so in order to command, there's probably some things you need to do in preparation for that and compete for that, but you have to apply for jobs and they come open. It may not be the status you want. It may not be right. um, in the location you want. Right. Because we only have 31 commander billets across the TR and full-time spectrum and across all the ranks. So you're competing for those 31 spots and you might have to open your aperture to something else that like commanding a, a recruiting squadron yes. or being an MSG commander and that yes. is, is an art billet. And even for our IMAs, there are no commander positions as an IMA because I just found out Title 10 on limitations because IMAs are aligned to a Reg F unit, they cannot commit be on G series orders for Reg F unit unless they're on status for 90 days or more. And so, but that 90 days doesn't count for the command block. Right. So essentially, we have no IMA commander positions. And so, if you're in that program and you want to make that 06, you have to make some decisions or uh, level set your expectations. Yep. Right. I think that's always important to understand that um, it's okay if you want to be a lieutenant colonel uh, and, and retire and not be a commander. We need good people to do that. Just tell us that, but don't tell us you want to be a commander. And then when we tell you to apply for jobs, you don't have to apply. Like, that's okay. As long as we understand and what you want to do, then we'll help you get to where you want to do. Um, and so I see, you see this a lot in the flying world reserve. The uh, airline pilots just want to be traditional reservists and they just want to fly in the part-time and that's fine. And they're very clear about that. We need to get to that point in our community where we are communicating that it's okay to be, you know, a mass sergeant and retire that and continue to be an operator. In, the, in your organization, maybe in different roles, like you talked about, within that wing and organization, continue to grow and develop. 
and and not like block people coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to get, we spent a lot of time on telling people, hey, you are spend too much time one geographic location and it's time for you to move. Well, we understand that maybe commuting doesn't work for you, but at least different type of an opportunity, different job, continue to move and grow and develop yourself. And use your mentors to help with that. Like you said, recruiting's opportunity. Um, you know, we have an FSS commander job that is a 17 out at Pete Field. Like there's other opportunities to do things that you don't normally normally think about that your mentors can maybe help align you to. Exactly. And I can also help with aligning some of the job opportunities. I don't always know everything that's coming up unless some folks tell me like, hey, I'm applying for a different position and then this opportunity will come up. So I have a little bit of insight. I'm still kind of learning the role and learning all the people. And so my job is to kind of network and and figure out some of that stuff as, as we go forward. I've only been in the seat for almost six months. So there's still kind of huge opportunities for me. But I know taking that information um, and trying to be more transparent to the field on the joint opportunities, the key and command opportunities, I think is an important way for helping those members plan because now you can see, hey, as if I want to get joint qualified, these are our only positions that we have open right now. And they're mostly TRs. If I want to be um, in a key billet, a lot of those are AGRs because we we want to set term limits for those um, for those positions to cycle folks through to get that experience. And so just understanding what's open to folks, I think is um, going to help hopefully make those development pa- plans better in the future. But that's where I think us as uh, senior leaders um, are helping spread that message that, hey, you can make more tailored decisions on your development plan and then get those more um, accurate vectors to help you where you are. And because let's say you want a homestead in a unit, that's absolutely fine because we need that continuity in that unit, but then level set your expectations on what career opportunities you're going to get in the future. Yeah. And timing is really important, right? Just like anything in life. Most of the time, those job opportunities are not going to be exactly when that mm-hmm. fits into your personal and your civilian work schedule if you're a part-time. Even for an AGR, I mean, I spent 14 months down at Robbins, right? That was not in our plan. But the opportunity came up at a time, and we we had been on this, this um, decision matrix as a family that, you know, um, that we're going to make some sacrifices to get after the jobs that, you know, that I wanted, and they were supportive of that. So we had that conversation up front, and so when it came open, it was really a no-brainer. We just double-checked and like, yep, we're going to go do this. All right, let's go. Um, so I encourage people to have those discussions with family and friends, mm-hmm. your loved ones who are in your um, decision bubble. Just be prepared for when they hit because it's never going to be when you expect it's going to be. But be realistic, too, because if your civilian job is the one that you're trying to be a CEO in that company, then maybe you can't dedicate a little bit more time on the military side. And that is okay too. Absolutely. Um, the beauty of the reserve is that we are in control of our career versus REGAF, I feel is more dictated. Like, hey, the needs of the Air Force, you're going to go to Minot now. Versus us, we can see the opportunities and whether or not you apply is completely up to you. Even the vectors that the senior leaders give you, it's still up to you to make to make put that application in to do that work. And so if you see an opportunity and choose to have it pass by, you understand the second and third order effects because it's whatever fits in with your civilian career or your family situation. Um, and so again, level setting expectations. Yeah, and I tell people to apply. I still want you to apply for the job and uh, have the discussion through the interview process, learn more about the job, find out what the expectation is for time. And then it's okay to say, no, nah, it's just not gonna work based on you know X, Y, Z, whatever's going on. Um, and that way, 
there's a conversation that can be had so you can learn about it. They can learn about you. And then like, if, if like I've offered jobs to people and say, Hey, this you know, timing's just not going to work for me right now. I'm like, okay. So what no I problem. hear is I it's okay to say no. Yeah, it's okay to say if no. You, Absolutely. The, your goal is to make the cut line for the interview. And then if you get accepted, it's okay to say no. Absolutely. Um, because we are reservists and that we got this triad that we're trying to make sure that we, you know, we meet the needs of your military job, your civilian job, life, and your family, that sometimes it's always not going to work. But be in the conversation so we can have those discussions because maybe I'm like, hey, I know what this person's needs right now, expectations, and I talk to somebody, hey, I'm looking for somebody. I'm like, hey, this person I just talked to might be a good fit for your role. They're traditional, they're willing to commute, but they can't be a commander right now. Well, then this is maybe an opportunity that's really good for them. And we have conversations all the time between you, us, the staff and people. Mm -hmm. um, so the more we know about what you want and what you're trying to achieve, the better we can try to meet, meet that for you. So I know we did a recording for the DT Outbrief. And so there was a MyPERS message with the link to the recording, because I think my recording link that I sent from the AFRC um, org box kind of got a little wonky, but the MyPERS message had the a good recording. You just have to request access to it. It had the DT slides, which are um, showed the KC, um, KCJ positions and the KPL um, and some um, next steps, so some tools for folks to use coming out of their vectors. And then it also had the what we value as a career field um, document so that folks can kind of see senior leaders' perspective on what we need cyber cyber and IO officers to um, have experiences in, and then they can help tailor their development plan or their future career opportunities. So those are the three documents that came from the MyPERS messaging. And so this should be, again, the beginning of a discussion with your mentor. If you ask for a mentor, um, we assigned you a mentor, they should be reaching out to you. And I think um, you should know who that is. And, and that should be the conversation over the next year. And each mentor is um, gonna handle that a little bit differently. And then if you don't hear from your mentor, we want you to communicate that to um, yourself Correct. on the staff, and then they'll get you connected. We'll find you a mentor that's going to work for you. Or if it's just not, you know, chemistry, meshing, it's not working for you, then we want you to have that opportunity to get um, to have somebody inside the career field be a mentor for you. And no, I'm going to use my vector, um, the mentoring piece for my vector for my folks. And then um, I, I, in the past, I've routinely sent out, hey, here's an article you should go read about. Mm -hmm. Just little things like that. And then I have one-on-ones with everybody um, as I want them and throughout the year. And we just do check-ins and um, just try to help. Most important job I have is to grow the next wing commander, the next wing commander. That's three wing commanders um, down the pipeline. And so I really encourage everybody to use the DT process for, um, for again, just gaining some insight and some data points to help you move your career along. So I'll, um, as we wrap up here, I'll let you have final word All and right, any things sir. you want to share with our listeners. Um, in addition to filling out their development plan every year, I encourage you guys to talk to each other about the development process, good, bad, and ugly. I expect a DT post DT survey from me in the next couple months after you guys have had some time to digest the information, chat with your mentors and raters, and then encourage your senior enlisted to also submit their development plan. They're going through the whole DT process right now, and they're, um, I think applications close during the middle of June. So I highly recommend that you um, chat with your enlisted folks about the value of, of the DT process as well. And I am available at any time 
Um, actually, I take that back. Most of June, I'm going to be out of the office, but the org box is the best way to kind of reach me or any of the staff at AFRC A6OD. So AFRC.17D, like Delta, at us.af.mil, and we will get your answers um, answers when we can or schedule one-on-ones to have more um, detailed discussions on future opportunities. Um, and that's how I support the community. Awesome. Thanks again, Joy. This is a really important part of what we do you know, through the life cycle of, um, of of the annual year of development. So appreciate your hard work. I think this year's board was a, was a massive success and looking forward to those things we talked about as a team about growing and making it better. And um, let's get everybody, my goal to have everybody submit a DT and make the board work really hard for a full week and, um, and, and, and make sure we're taking care of the entire community. So thanks right, again sir. for everything you do. Thank you. All right.